Joker here. Welcome you to another edition of the Knife Party Podcast, where we leave it all on the cutting room floor. And without any further ado, please let me welcome your host, Zachary Evergreen. <laughs> Love that Joker. Oh my God, we sound so much better. And when I mean we sound so much better, I would like to introduce my new part-time employee or host, replacing Elijah. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back Antonius. Oh yeah, what's up everybody? I don't know, man. I'm, I'm super excited today. I've been looking forward to this for a week and a half. Dude, this is going to be a great one for sure. Yeah, I mean, I can't... Okay... So I think when this airs, because of all the extra specials and stuff I, that I've done in the past, right, and that we've done, like the Cinema Court and stuff, I think this is going to be episode 50, or it's going to, even though oh. it's, epi- yeah, even though technically this is episode 42, and today we're going to cover the making of Seven. But real quick, I'd like to throw this out here, for all your adult beverage needs, if you're in the Napa, Vallejo, Benicia area, you must stop by Caps and Cork. They have a whole wall of refrigerators full of craft beer. I mean, I'm not, you know, we were just talking about Budweiser's all good and all on a hot day, but maybe you want a milk stout. Maybe you want a sour. Maybe you want something you haven't tried. Every time I go there, they have a new selection of stuff, and it's amazing. And they have buy nine, get the 10th for a penny. I go there every week and give them 50 bucks and come home with some wonderful beers. And normally, you know, we'd be drinking that. But today we're drinking some wine. Um, I'm not going to mention the name because I was told not to. But Captain Cork uh, asked for Sharky. He was also on the uh, uh, Stuff episode. So his voice will be very familiar and just say, hey, the knife party sent you. There we go. All right. Yeah. See, we have a sponsor now. We're legit. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. And uh, also, too, remember, if you want more of these specials I spoke of, especially like if you want the Aliens Watch Along or the Lost Boys Watch Along, or um, I'm even going to do a couple of horror video game reviews pretty soon. Ooh, okay. So I'm going to do Dead Space, the new one, and I'm going to do Resident Evil. you got to do Dead Space. (laughs) And then Resident Evil. And I'm thinking uh, when we do... uh, when I do Dead Space, um, I'm going to pair it with Event Horizon, and I know you love that movie. Very much so, yeah. It's a great movie. But speaking of great movies, we're going to talk the making of Seven. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, obviously, this is a David Fincher film, right? Um, David Fincher, great, great director. Most people know him from this movie, but they don't really know who he was because he really got his name out there when he did, uh, not Seven, sorry, I apologize, uh, Fight Club. Oh, okay. So Fight Club is the one that got so much attention because of how controversial it was at the time. And you know what's funny? Um, with the ending of Fight Club and everything else, that actually came out before 9-11, and a lot of people gave it heat like it was something to do with it, which is bullshit. You know? Yeah, of course. And uh, uh, also, too, um, Rosie O'Donnell flipped the fuck out. I don't know if you remember that. You could find it on YouTube. She gave away the ending. Like the day it came out. Oh, I know that 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 Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> that very mean lady. That very very mean lady. Um, so, dude, I feel bad for anyone who uh, any of her girlfriends 
<laughs> Can you imagine dating Rosie O'Donnell? No. I mean, at least when you date Oprah, because you know them and Stegman, that's, that's a, he's a beard. You know, you know what I mean? Dude, you know, they have never gotten down. And if they did, it was a long time ago. I haven't even seen, St- anyway, I don't even know why we're talking about this. Yeah, right. Let's talk about Seven. So yeah, uh, David Fincher directed this. Do you know how he got his start in film in general? I do not. Okay, when you go home today, see, I was saving this for the episode. When you go home today or later on, I want you to Google Jamie's Got a Gun by Aerosmith, the music video. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was okay. his first ever foray into anything making. And that video, you could t- it's got Fincher written all over it. Really? Okay. It really it's does. It's been a long time since I've seen it, so. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it since like 88 or 89, but um, I remember it in my head just because like that video is super dark mm-hmm. and cool. And that was probably one of the last Aerosmith songs I actually really liked be- because Aerosmith isn't really that good. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> I was I was young. I, I didn't know better. I thought that and Angel were a great song and Love on an Elevator. And then I'm like, you know what? These songs are very cheesy and it's not rock and roll. It's pop music disguised as rock and roll <laughs> by a dude who looks like Mick Jagger, but but held together with, with fucking bandanas. He He's like the B-Squad of Mick Jagger lookalikes. <laughs> the B-Squad? <laughs> the B-Squad. Okay. Um, anyway, so Andrew Walker... He's the person that wrote the script, and uh, he actually wrote this, um, and this is very kind of like American Psycho of him, Mm -hmm. Uh, because American Psycho was written when, um, I forgot the gentleman's name, but he wrote it when he moved to New York City from the country, and he was like, all it is is cocaine and... And like money and flaunting and and you know the '80s yuppie mm-hmm, thing, and mm-hmm. he thought it was so disgusting that he would write about how disgusting they really are. Like they want to murder everybody because they <laughs> they're all fucking sociopaths. But Walker wrote this when he moved to NYC, and this was at the height right after that of the crack cocaine epidemic. Uh, oh, okay. So you know how Times Square is like it's a it's a tourist trap. You know, people, mm-hmm. people go there and, and it's, you just go there for, for the tourism and the giant, uh, I'm going to pipe myself down just a little bit. Um, it's, you know, you want to see the giant, uh, uh, screen and yeah, the ball the drop and, and yeah. the lights and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they even have like a, they even have like a, uh, like an Applebee's there and a, and, but, but they're like on grand scale. Well, <laughs> that used to not be like that. It used to yeah. be like. Like the uh, beat stalls, you know, the porno uh, uh, places where the girls dance and you put in quarters oh, and you jerk it. Yeah. It used to be those. It used to be like just drugs were rampant. Um, you remember a lot of uh, homosexuals were, were in the closet back mm-hmm. then. So that used to be a meetup for them. Oh, okay. And, and it just was not a safe place to be. So when he saw like just the griminess and dirtiness, he wanted to write a script about just how, how like there's even a, a there's even a line in here where Morgan Freeman goes, they tell you in rape prevention, you never, well, rape, you always yell fire. You right. rape, nothing happens. You yell fire, they'll come running. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just about the seediness of just the whole city as a whole, and almost the, the city is a character in this movie. Right, yeah. I mean, um, when I watched this, I, I, I kind of had a, a different, I haven't watched this movie in a bunch of years, like at least five, six years. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, this is not like a yearly watch because it's so he- such a heavy movie. It is, yeah. And it's pretty long, but, but it's not that long. But 
when a movie is this heavy and it's over an hour long, or I'm sorry, uh, over 90 minutes long, mm-hmm. it does kind of like get to you to the point where I did not even watch the ending of this movie. I got to the point where they got in the car. Oh. I mean, I know what happens. Right. But, and, and I know the ending and everything else, but I was just like, okay, man, too heavy. And <laughs> which is, but I mean, you, you know what though, to be fair, well, to be fair. Oh, don't say to be fair. I hate when people say to be fair. I was, uh, uh, may or may not have been on a um, uh, California gummy bear, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So so I was like, whoa, man. Whoa. That's, that's, a lot. that's kind of a deep one for the gummy bear. <laughs> I know. Yeah. What was I thinking? <laughs> so uh, let's see what else we got. Um, oh, okay. This is going to, I always like telling you who almost played who. Oh, that's always a good one, yeah. Denzel was to play Brad Pitt. I don't know. I know. Yeah, like... And then they go, okay, you don't like that character. Do you want to play Morgan Freeman's character? Mm -hmm. Uh, Somerset. And he read the script, and his reply was a couple of words. It was just, this is too dark, this is too evil. Yeah. (laughs) Which is funny, because right around the same time, he did the movie Fallen. Which, I mean, it's dark, but it's not like this, this. dark. No, yeah. yeah, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. Uh, Stallone also turned it down. Oh, that would have been terrible. Well, it, Stallone would have been the Somerset character. You know, no, I'm in charge. I'm no, in charge. I'm the lieutenant. You just met me. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, then also, too, um, Stallone said it was one of his biggest regrets turning down that film. Oh, I bet. Yeah, in retrospect. And we've heard this a lot. Al Pacino was to play Somerset, which would have been great. That actually would have been pretty good. Now, don't get me wrong. I love me some Morgan Freeman, but Mm -hmm. I love me some Al Pacino, too. Devil's Advocate, I'm looking at you. You, It's coming. It's coming. (laughs) It's not going to come in cinema court. I'm actually reviewing that motherfucker because I love that movie, dude. That movie is fantastic and underrated. Um, Let's see. uh, Val Kilmer turned it down. Uh, for the role as John Doe. Oh. Wouldn't that have been interesting? That would have been actually kind of cool, yeah. Yeah, and uh, uh, which is hilarious. And um, Michael Stipe from R.E.M. was... Ah, yes. And to say kind of sorry because the studio said no, even though Fincher wanted him, that's why he put him in Fight Club when he's the waiter. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, and he goes like, um, if you would like clean food, you should probably not order the clam chowder. That's Michael <laughs> Stipe, which I think, which I think is kind of cool. Um, so let's see. Uh, oh, Al Pacino. The reason why he didn't, because he wanted to, but he was already um, entangled with filming the movie City Hall, which I've never seen. Me and, either. And even though Pacino is great, I that movie probably doesn't it, hold up because I never hear it. Like it. Yeah, nobody ever talks great about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh heat that's a good movie too i rewatched it it's a long but you know it's long but it holds up really well so i have some uh fun facts on this movie okay now one i noticed is almost every scene is shot at night or it's raining you never yeah. see the sunlight until the end yes Never in this movie do you see sunlight. Which is awesome because it's actually raining pretty good tonight. So it's a yeah, great setting. I know. It is. And uh, I, I know this was done for a reason. Also, there's that grain filter they use that he uses in Fight Club. It's a green one. Mm-hmm. And in this one, I'm pretty sure he uses a, a, like a, a teal or a blue grain filter. He just likes to suck out the colors to make everything look more... 
Like there's no nature. It's right. all man-made, like, you know, uh, uh, background and everything else, which it, it's, it's also pretty cool. It really does set the vibe here because there is, this vibe is dark. Like there is no respite. Even their apartment, the one place where you would be safe has that goddamn train. Yeah. You know what I mean? They try to make it like it is, you're trapped yeah. in a way. And even though they're the hunters in this movie, just the whole environment is, is itself is his character. And I, I, I didn't even really put that to See, this is what happens when you take uh, California gummy bears. You start thinking, <laughs> see, this is why I do not have my phone on me because someone's bringing me up. And uh, mm. now my Fitbit is telling I probably should have took that off too. <laughs> no, the cool thing with what he does with like pulling the the color out of it is it makes you kind of believe like in the city the soul has left it. Oh, that's a, I like that. That's awesome. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Like it, like the color got sucked. Like the 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 life joy. itself. Yeah. yeah, got sucked out of the city, and it just creates this this atmosphere of just like looming darkness. Like it's it's just not gonna end. Yeah most definitely I, it does really do that that that's that was beautiful thank you antonius oh you're welcome how 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 <laughs> observant are you um okay so uh there oh there is no one gets murdered in this movie like you don't see one killing until the very end the only person right. that kills anybody is brad pitt's character which is uh odd because this movie's about a murderer but you never see anyone you get killed. You never see any of them, yeah. So this leads me to, I'm going to call this my Zodiac theory. So I believe that the, oh, by the way, Fincher also did the Zodiac, the movie. Oh, yeah, okay. And, and it's, that's a really good movie, too, underrated. It's probably his most underrated film because no one really knew who the Zodiac was. But I mean, yeah, if you're outside of California, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, it's not a big deal. It isn't, but um, that movie's really good. I recommend you see that. And then if you really want to deep or dive, just uh, there's a really cool show on M. It was on History Channel, but it's called like Decoding the Zodiac. And it's like a series hmm. where they go to all their murder sites. And it's funny because it's like, I know that. I used to live right there. Yeah, I yeah. know that. I used to live. You know, in fact, we were, we just got Chinese food at Szechuan and Benicia. And I took Columbus Parkway and I'm like, and, and Nicole said something, and I'm like, look, I will pull over right here at Blue Ox Springs, and I'll drop you off, and the Zodiac's coming. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, um, the only murder is what's in the box, right? Okay, mm -hmm. so that's why I think that John Doe may have not acted alone. Think about really? it. Okay. No, I mean, this is just, I mean, obviously, there's no proof of it, but if you think about it, he could have had... Well, it could have been like the sloth murder victim or, yeah. or something. That or, yeah, but or, or even Elliot Gould, his lawyer. Because remember, he kills his lawyer. His lawyer could have had something to do with that, or at least known of what he was doing. Right. You know, um, we'll get to that when we break down the movie. I just thought that was super interesting. Um, Kevin Spacey was not credited in the beginning. He was not. Yeah. On purpose. I thought that was an awesome thing that they did. Yeah, because he was on the heels of uh, Usual Suspects. And the last thing he wanted is to people to see the credits and go, okay, where's Kevin Spacey? Where's Kevin Spacey? Mm -hmm. And then go, oh, he must be. He wanted to be like such a surprise that this wafery, small, monotone, soft-spoken guy is capable of all these horrors. Yeah. Which I thought was brilliant. Remember, I always tell you guys, when you're making a movie, 
don't show me the fucking monster till Act Three, okay? <laughs> if it worked for Jaws, it worked for Predator, it worked for, I mean, in a way, kind of Terminator, because that's when you see like his skull. But it works for all these goddamn movies. You show the monster in the beginning, you fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Even when uh, they're chasing after him, we don't get to see him, you know. And and also too, he's the photographer in the beginning, right? And so, but he's wearing a disguise, like yeah, you don't know exactly. He's wearing that trench coat and all that black and everything mm -hmm. else. And I wonder if Fincher, because obviously Fincher knew about the Zodiac case. This has a lot of Zodiac elements to it, mm -hmm. or even like the Riddler, or you know, kind of like you know. I want to be caught, but not till I'm done. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I'm going to lead you. I'm going to give you these breadcrumbs of to which each, because every murder has a clue to which the next one is, mm -hmm. which is funny because at a certain point, they're like, what are we going to do? Just sit here and wait. And that's when they go to the library and stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's, but they just didn't look hard enough or finally when things do come, cause he wanted to preach, he preaching. That's why he wanted them to go read the Bible and Dante's Inferno and, mm -hmm. and, uh, Re um, revelations and, and all this other stuff, which is hilarious. Cause remember when, when Brad Pitt, um, he gets like Dante's Inferno for dummies. Notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, I love that. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. So, uh, also, um, in that scene where they're chasing after John Doe mm -hmm. and Brad, and he puts a gun to his head and he goes, no, and he lets him live mm -hmm. and, uh, his arms all fucked up. Brad and Pitt, his face. Yeah. Brad Pitt actually got injured. Oh, for real. For real. When he was jumping on the cars, he slipped and it was raining so hard. Yeah. He put out his arm as a defense and he broke it so bad. The bone came out, uh. but they kept filming. Brad Pitt is kind of a... I respect him yeah, a little bit for that. Yeah, that's badass. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty badass. So that cast he wears... It's a real cast. That's a real cast. Okay. So yeah, that's pretty interesting. I thought it was just a really cool effect. Because like when they're... I thought like there was some semblance behind it. Like when they're in his apartment for the first time, he has that cast. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, like I thought it meant something, but nope. Turns out, happy accident. No. <laughs> well, I mean, not a happy accident, a real accident that yeah. turned into good filmmaking. But I mean, you know, what are you going to do? But it's just awesome. He's like, nope, staple me up. We're going to, uh, we're we're going to keep, keep doing going. this. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. Um, the, speaking of inside that apartment, every single one of those notebooks in mm -hmm. that apartment was full and written. Every, no way. Yes, way. I know. I th I thought that insane too. Every single one was full and handwritten, and they so weren't. They doubles. just have like the crew like write each yep. one out. Yep. Oh, they geez. had somebody. And the funny thing, he goes, "If we had like you know forty men on twenty four hour shifts reading all these, we, we you know we wouldn't be done from." Dude, when they were getting ready to film this, they just go, "Hey, write in your composition book and write like." You don't even have to. So when he just opens it up and he goes like, I met a man on the subway. He started making pleasantry talk about the weather and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then I got sick and I threw up all over him and I couldn't stop laughing. He just <laughs> turned to a random page. Like that wasn't in the script. He just grabbed one and started reading from it. No. Yes, dude. Isn't that amazing? So like somebody on the cast legit threw up on somebody on the subway. Probably. Just, maybe. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know. Or maybe they were just like, you know, just writing down some, some ridiculous diarrhea. shit. Yeah. But, uh, and there's, there's probably, I think 150 notebooks there. 
It was a lot. It's there's it a was, lot. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was really cool. That apartment itself is just creepy. You know, there's no windows. Everything's painted black. Yeah, everything's painted black. There's like really almost no lights aside from the cross. There's no way he's going to take a bath or a shower because he's using that to do his photos. Right. You know, Um, and then it says like, you know, he's got a lot of money. He's independently wealthy. Where does he go? I'm pretty sure he added a couple of safe houses. I think that was just one of his houses. Right. You know. Um, because for instance, uh, he was paying rent for the sloth yes. murder. Yeah. So he probably was living there as well. That's why he had all those, those, uh, uh air fresheners, the car air fresheners. Um, so I think he was also staying there. Mm-hmm. Um, I suspect that he had a couple of places all over the city. Like, cause how would he be able to move around here and there and here and there and not be noticed? I wonder if, yeah, he was like squatting at like his victims places or Definitely. something like that. He had to have been. Yeah, I mean, with gluttony, he it said he was there for days. Yeah, so I mean, he had to have been coming in and out, maybe using that guy's bathroom or whatever, you know, using his kitchen while torturing the guy. Yeah, exactly. So that's all like the really fun fact notes about this. Um, let's talk about like just our feelings of this movie. So when this movie came out, it was 1995. Mm-hmm. So I remember I was in seventh grade. And uh, I remember seeing it. And I'm like, oh, this looks cool. It looks like a detective movie or whatever. And then my uh, uh, cousin Jonathan Fallen, my BC, gives me a call. And he, and he doesn't even say anything. He just plays the the ride, you know, the car ride at oh, the end. Right. And I'm like, who the fuck is this? And then uh, he calls me back and he goes, dude, wasn't that the greatest thing ever? I'm like, what the hell is that? And he goes, <laughs> dude, Seven just came on HBO. I recorded it. It is not my new favorite movie. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Let me hear it again. Yeah. And then I go over to his house and I watch it. Uh, oh, no, no. Sorry. At the same time, because it you know, just came out for release. We didn't see it in the theater. I was just down the street at my grandmother's house. It's mm-hmm. about three blocks from here. And my mom had it. And they had the biggest TV I knew of at the time. Their TV was pretty big. I mean, it was only like a 50 inch. But at the time, that was huge. Was, yeah, massive. And it was one of those, you know, where it's got a projector. It's like a giant box with mm-hmm. like wood and shit. And the thing weight probably weighed at least 800 pounds. <laughs> you know what I mean? It takes like a forklift to get it in there. I don't even know how they got it in there. And I remember watching it. And then my mom just being like, what the fuck? And I was like, I like this movie. And she like was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know what we watched batman and robin after because that was the other movie we rented and i think she felt better after that oh. but it got i mean it was so bad that when my grandparents walked in she turned the movie off stop not even pause stop yeah. because she was like this is too heavy for them and i don't want them knowing that my son's watching this but at the same time it's too good to turn off oh you know what sneaky I mean? sneaky yeah i know and she, she was in her fucking 40s you know mm-hmm. it's but it's 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 so yeah, this movie's just so dark, man. Um, uh, where did you remember when you saw this? Like, how old you were? Where you were? What were you doing? Um, I was uh, a little bit older. Like, my parents saw it, and they were like, "Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no yeah, that's not happening for a while." So I think I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, late nineties, late late nineties. Yeah. Uh, when I first saw it, and it was just like, "Oh, holy crap! Like, this is amazing." Yeah, definitely. Um, and so late '90s. So, so it's not like you let the movie slip through your fingers for decades or anything. No, no. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to Fincher films, is is this your favorite out of the big three? Out of Zode's uh, fight and and seven? Um, I 
I don't know. It's it's definitely a toss up between Fight Club and Seven. Yeah. Um, both amazing films for different reasons. Uh, I think it's just Fight Club is a little bit easier to watch. Yeah. So that's probably why it's my, I guess I would consider that my Plus favorite. Plus Fight Club is satirical and kind of funny. Right. Yeah. Um, I used to be obsessed with Fight Club when it came out. In fact, that was the first DVD I bought. And I still have, oh, I still okay. have it too. It's the soapbox version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, it's cool because got commentary and all that stuff on it, and like tons of deleted scenes. Um, but and I remember watching that movie all the time. Like I at least watched it once a week when I got my because uh, I bought a PS2 for the DVD player, yes, and same. also also because you know. Metal Gear and Final Fantasy set or X. I had to have those games, <laughs> and I worked at Toys R Us, so we got a discount, and it right. was better than going to Best Buy and paying like more money for a DVD player. When it's like, why not just buy a PlayStation? Fuck yeah, you, yeah. So, uh, but I remember that was the first. That and Willy Wonka were the two first I bought. Oh, okay. okay. So, and then uh, what I would do is on payday because I worked at Toys R Us at the time. I would walk down to Target. So there used to be a, a Toys R Us in that that Vallejo Shopping Center on, okay. um, you know, off the freeway. And uh, I would buy like one DVD a, a week. That was like my thing. Yeah. Okay. And because and they were brand new. I remember DVDs being like thirty dollars, man. They were crazy expensive at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I remember there was Enemy at the Gates was always a movie I wanted, and it was always thirty five dollars, and it always pissed me off. I'm like, man, I don't have that in my budget. I'm willing to go up to twenty five. You know. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, that was, but um, and then Full Metal Jacket was the one yeah, I bought after that. Okay. It was a fucking great movie too. Oh, I was big on Rasputin for a while there because they would have their like three for 10 deals. Oh, yeah, and that was later like, on. Yeah, it was a little later on, but it was like, oh, the case is a little messed up. Like this DVD is fine. Yeah. It was like, cool. Like I'll go and spend $20 and get six new movies. And mm -hmm. I would do that like every couple of weeks. Like I had a fat collection after a while. I still have a fat collection because I really, my wife never stopped buying DVDs. So I have a bunch of like, 80s like uh, St. Elmo's Fire those kind of movies mm -hmm. you know and then I have all like my you know scary and and, and sci-fi movies and everything else like that but DVDs you don't really throw away once in a while you let someone borrow them and then you'll never see it again if it, you're like <laughs> eh, whatever you know it's not really a big deal yeah and then and then there's sometimes where I, I like for instance I watched when when we did the Predator episode mm -hmm. I have that on Amazon and then I'm like what the fuck, dude? You have two copies on DVD. <laughs> you know, but it's just, it's just like one of those things, man. Because when you get a huge collection going, it's really hard to keep track of what you have and what you don't have. Oh, yeah. 100%. Uh, yeah. yeah. So um, before we really, really get into this, um, what what would you give this on Rotten Tomatoes? On the... the our, our tomato score, the Evergreen Tomatoes. <laughs> the you Evergreen I Tomatoes. I would say a solid... Like eight and a half out of ten, so like eighty five percent. Eighty five percent. Okay, why why so low? Just if I may ask. I don't, I mean eighty five. I don't uh, think that's really that low. It's not. I'm just saying. You know, I, I thought it would at least be because I give it a ninety. You give it a ninety. Okay. So well, we'll just say eighty seven percent. Like uh, our combined. Let me see what it got on tomatoes. Actually, I didn't write that down. I don't know why, but I didn't. Um, but I I assume it's going to be probably. I, I'm guessing it's going to be at least 80. At least. I'm going to say they gave it like a 96. <coughs> okay, let's see. What they got? Oh, and by the way, the uh, it is spelled S-E-7-E-N. 82%. 82. Wow. Yep. And uh, uh, the audience gave it 
a little bit higher, which is cool. Mm-hmm. So I had 85, but. Oh, yeah, right on score. Right on score. There you go. <laughs> um, I think this movie was a little bit too heavy for its time. Um, mm-hmm. Now, we talk about kind of like PC stuff and, and you know, how our climate has changed so much just right. in the past. Do you think this movie could be made today? Uh, really? I was thinking I, about that the whole time. Yeah, like, I think it could be, but some of the dialogue... Yeah. I think it would definitely be changed on there. Yeah. Um, and they wouldn't... They Gluttony probably, probably they, would be cut out. With a whole, like, Lizzo... No, I was thinking think lust. So? They oh, would really? just They would just talk about it. They wouldn't actually show you the, like, apparatus or yeah. anything. You only like, see they, it for a second. Yeah, they didn't show you a lot anyways. But I think if it was made today, they would literally just talk about, like, oh, this, like, person died here. Like, okay, moving on. The funny thing is, you know the lady that's you see her corpse? Mm-hmm. She's naked. Um, she was so cold, she got sick with pneumonia when they filmed that. Because if what? you look... and But she goes, it was all worth it because I got to be naked in front of Brad Pitt. <laughs> and with that, let's go ahead and get started with the movie. Um, on, but uh, first, let's uh, hear the trailer and sign off. And then we'll see you guys in a moment just to uh, hear the movie. All right? All right. All right. Anything else you want to throw out there? No, let's do the trailer, bro. All right. Well, you know what? Just keep in mind, for only $1, patreon.com slash knifepartypod is where you get all our specials and everything often. All right? And early. Early and often. All right, everybody. <laughs> early bread special. There you go. Do you like what you do for a living? These things you see? You have to wear blinders sometimes. Most times. Detective William Somerset is looking for a way out. You're retiring. Six more days and you're all the way gone. So how long have you lived here? Too long. Detective David Mills is looking for a way in. We'll be spending every waking hour together from now until the time I leave. <coughs> who your friends and Excuse enemies me. are. Look, I'm going to come inside five years. Not here. Now, we have ourselves a homicide. They're caught in a game. No fingerprints and no witnesses of any kind. Nope. About the only thing we know about that guy right now is he's totally insane. Where the price of sin is death. There are seven deadly sins. Gluttony. You're going to come take a look at this. Greed. No one touches anything. Sloth, wrath, pride, lust, and envy. Seven. You can expect five more of these. Body was found on Tuesday morning. I hate this city. We're going to get who did this. This will be the very definition of swift justice. There are two more bodies, two more victims. This guy is methodical, exacting, and worst of all, patient. He's laughing at us. He had a gun. He's two murders away from completing his masterpiece. Let's finish it. Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow, Seven.